called Flag on the Play. As a matter of fact, this is the last Flag on the Play series. Oh, and uh, we're going to be talking about illegal substitution. I'll explain that in just a moment. But before I do, how many of you were here last week when I shared the incredible news that people in Pakistan are using our sermons and people are getting saved? Yeah? Wasn't that awesome? Okay. Um, So far, over 1,200 people, um, Pakistanis, have gotten saved uh, through listening to the sermons here at this church. That's amazing. And so one of the cool, so we felt like it just made sense for us to donate a little bit so that they could get Bibles there. We have, uh, we tithe as a church. Uh, This church gives away 10% of everything that we receive and we give to different ministries, dozens of ministries all over in multiple countries, multiple continents, and we're here locally as well, um, helping uh, the gospel be preached and people be loved. And so um, so we, we had a little bit, there's some that's not designated that we can use at our discretion. And so we took some of that money and we we gave it to the pastor in Pakistan who's leading this initiative and um, he was so thankful he said we're going to buy Bibles with this and he sent me some pictures this just this week of people with their new Bibles and if I get this thing to work there are if you can see them there are some of the people isn't that cool um don't if you we're not going to be sharing this on Facebook. It's really dangerous to become a Christian in in a nation like this, and so uh, you won't see these. That's that's the pastor uh, handing a Bible to that lady. That's Pastor John that we've been working with. Um, and then this is two pictures. You see the the Arabic writing on the Bible. Um, so it's just really cool uh, that we are uh, the Lord is allowing us to. Um, uh, to, to do that, to be a part of what he's doing in Pakistan. Isn't that cool? So really, really excited. So um, also want to tell you one more thing before we get started. This is the last Sunday. There's a lot of last Sundays today. This is like the end of October. It's like we're shutting things down. Um, we've been doing a survey here at the church where we're trying to figure out, you know, how we can best serve you. Uh, we've been collecting just some basic demographic information like age and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we've been asking some spiritual health questions. And then in the survey, we also give you an opportunity uh, to give us some feedback and rate some of the different ministries and all that. Um, we would absolutely love for everyone's voice to be heard. But if you don't act today, then you'll be left out, okay? So in addition to being able to do it online, if you open up your bulletin at the bottom uh, of the uh, right-hand side, it's got the web address. It's our church address, bfcthomasville.com slash survey, okay? You can go there, fill it out. If you are technologically challenged, all right, yeah, I see people already, yeah, okay, we have these surveys in hard copy form in the back in the, uh, the Welcome Center, Okay. Now we only have so many, and please hear me. I would prefer you do it online, because if you do it uh, through the paper, we're going to have someone enter them in manually. Okay. You can skip any question you want. You don't have to put your name. It can be completely anonymous. But we we love collecting this information because it's our it's our genuine desire to minister to you, uh, and we have to know who you are to do that. We have to know where you are spiritually. We have to know what God's doing in your life. And it helps give us feedback as well. So uh, this is your last morning uh, to take that, that survey as well, okay? Um, all right, okay. Y'all ready to get started? 
Yeah, sweet. All right, well, we're going to talk about illegal substitution. Has anyone ever seen illegal substitution called? And I, I hate it. Uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Mike uh, let me borrow his, his flags, his penalty flags, and they're sitting on my desk in my office. I was going to throw a flag and see if anyone could, uh, could catch it, but uh, I, I just I forgot. So it just tells you where I am right now, just how you can pray for me. Um, but, but we're talking about illegal substitution, illegal substitution. So I want to define that in sports and then defi- define that in the kingdom. Illegal substitution in sports is when a player comes into the game to replace another player, but the first one doesn't leave. So now there are too many players in the game. All right? Does that make sense? So, like, for instance, is, you find this in football. You find this in hockey as well. They both have uh, illegal substitution rules. So football, for instance, is an 11-on-11 game, all right? It's not fair for one of the teams to have 12 or 13 when the other team just has 11, right? And so when someone comes in to substitute for another, the one that's being substituted for has to leave. That just makes sense. And if they don't in enough time, then you throw the flag and it's illegal substitution, okay? So that's what we're talking about. Now, in the kingdom, it's the same. Illegal substitution in the kingdom is when a believer has too many kings sitting on the throne of their life. Too many kings sitting on the throne. See, all the junk, when, when, you, came to, when you came to Christ, all the little mini idols, all the little things that had a piece of your heart were supposed to be substituted, were supposed to be replaced by King Jesus. And he alone is supposed to sit on the throne of our heart. But many times what will happen is over time, these little mini gods, lower G, lowercase g, will try to get back in there, will try to sneak in, and it will be illegal substitution. There are too many players on the field. Because the seed of your heart, the throne of your heart, is, is only, only for Jesus. We have inside of us, we humanity, every single one of us, have a God-shaped hole in our heart. And only he fits in that hole. And we can try to cram other things in there, and it may give us satisfaction for just a little bit. But in the end, it's going to leave us empty. It's going to leave us feeling down and depressed and not enough because we're not living the way we were designed To live. See, God made you incomplete on purpose so you would have to need Him. There's an interesting scripture, Philippians 2 9 through 11. You can read along with me. It says, Therefore, it's talking about Jesus, God elevated Him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave Him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, Lord is a word that we really only use within the context of Christianity or the context of church these days, right? Like you don't really call anyone else Lord. You don't really have anyone else that holds that title of Lord in your life, right? We aren't serfs and lords back in the medieval times. Okay? And so uh, th- this is one of those things, well, brother, Jesus is Lord. Great. What does that mean? What does that mean? And many times we define the word Lord as boss. How many of you have a boss? Yeah? 
Every, every man that's married, you need to raise your hand. Because she's sitting next to you. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yeah, the lady's like, ah, oh, we really wish she hadn't said that. I'm just messing with you. Yeah, everyone, right, if you have a job, unless you're self-employed, then you have a boss. And we've used that term. And boss is a really good um, uh, definition of the word Lord. But in reality, it's actually not even a big enough word. Uh, if you go back to the Greek here, um, is kurios is the Greek word, and it literally means owner. It literally means owner is the Lord, the person who owns it all. Now, interestingly enough, we know that God made everything through Jesus, everything that's seen, everything that's unseen. He is the owner, but yet he invites you to come into alignment with his ownership. See, you get the say as to whether or not Jesus is Lord. Now, one day it's going to be evident to everyone and all will confess that he is Lord. Okay? The owner tells you what to do. You can tell if you've made an illegal substitution in your life, if someone or something else is telling you what to do, especially when it's in direct contradiction to what the Lord says. That's how you know if, you're, if you should be called for illegal substitution. All right? Let's look at a couple of verses here. Um, you, see, you have the right to choose whom you will serve. For all the grammar people, I know it should be choose whom you will serve, but this is how we talk, so that's how I did it. You can turn to Joshua chapter 24. I'll get a note on Facebook later. It's choose whom, Jamie, whom. All right. You just go be right over there in the corner by yourself, all right? Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Just a little context here. This is the children of Israel were on this... uh, uh, this epic journey to get out of slavery from Egypt, and the Lord promised them um, a, a promised land, and it took them a long time to get there. They had to fight many battles. Uh, a lot of it was self-inflicted wounds. And so finally, they made it to the promised land. <gasps> Big sigh of relief. Finally, we made it to the promised land. And for many of you, the promised land may, might be a marriage, or it might be having children, or it might be finally getting that job, and you're like, Oh, finally, now I've got the house, I've got the car, I've got the white picket fence, I've got the dog, and now everything's complete, right? And, and this is when it's super important that you choose whom you serve. And so Joshua is, is talking to the people, and he says this in verse 14, So fear the Lord. Here's that word Lord again. Fear the owner, the boss man. Serve him wholeheartedly. Put away the, forever the idols that your ancestors worshipped. When they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's interesting. He's like, look, if you don't want to serve God... Like, that's your choice to make. No one else can make that choice for you, but you need to understand, you will serve someone. You're in, and he lists two really, and I don't have time to get into it, but he lists two really interesting groups of, of, of false gods, of false bosses, false lords that are going to vie 
for attention and for worship in your life. He mentions, first of all, the gods of your family. Isn't that the gods of your ancestors? Isn't that what he said? See, many of you grew up in families. Some of you grew up singing in the choir at church, but most of us, most of us don't have these pristine, squeaky clean Christian backgrounds, do we? And we, we came from families where there was a lot of trauma, where there was a lot of sin, where there was a lot of different stuff. And see, you can, and by the way, this is your default, you can go serve the gods of your family. It, it's an, if you choose not to serve the Lord, we love you. It's, it's okay. I mean, we'll wave to you in Walmart, but you need to understand, don't be deceived. You will serve someone. You will serve someone. And it's most likely going to be the gods of your family. And that's why we see so many times these sinful tendencies passed down from generation to generation to generation. So so if you're not going to serve God, you need to understand you're probably going to serve the gods of your family. The other group that he mentions is the gods of this current culture. He says, you know, you're taking over the land of the Amorites, the land of the Canaanites, and they've got their own set of gods and idols. So, okay, if you don't want to serve the Lord, you need to understand you're going to serve someone. And the default, again, in addition to serving the gods of your family, is serving the gods of the current culture. Serving the way current culture just does. And so many people do this. So many people say they're Christians, say that Jesus is boss, but Jesus is not boss because Jesus is not calling the shots. They're simply doing what everyone else does because that's just what we do. And it's not, it's, it's illegal substitution. We've got to throw the flag and say, look, this is, this, is not, this is not the way it's meant to be. I just was thinking about this and praying about this last night. I was writing down. I'm just going to read off a list. These are a few of the potential idols, false gods, lords or bosses that, that, that you might. And so just with, a, with an open heart, some of these you'll be like, no. But others of these, it may, it may you know, apply to you. And so I just want to read these, and maybe these are some possible substitutions in your heart. Money. Power. Being in control, being in charge. No, I want to be respected. I'm in charge. Fame. I want to be known. You know that your desire to be known comes from God because he wants to know you? Pleasure, substances, alcohol, drugs. Another specific substance we don't think of, food. Food can sit on the throne of our heart. If you can't fast, (laughs) it may be a substance. You're like, get off of this, Jamie, come on. I didn't come here to talk about my eating. Sex can definitely be a substitution. Entertainment. Things, just stuff. The latest iPhone. The latest TV. The latest gaming console. A house. A car. The best car. The nicest car. Success. Ah, finally made it. Achievement. Title behind my name. Friends. Romance. 
that special someone, that soulmate. You're right. Children. Children can be a substitution. You can run your whole life around your kids and they become an idol. Parents. Parents can become an idol. And, of course, the biggest is the me monster, yourself. Look, you're going to have to choose whom you will serve. All of these things. And notice, these things are not bad things, are they? A lot of these things aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with a house. I've got one. I like my house. Okay? Got a car. Got more than one. I appreciate it. I like cars. They get me here. I don't have to walk. Okay? But the problem is they, they make good gifts, but they make terrible gods. They're good gifts from the Lord, but they're terrible gods. You know, and, and we have to make sure that we aren't letting these things have our heart. We have to choose whom. We, is that Coldplay? I think it is. But you have to choose whom you will serve. I really want to sing this song right now, but I'm not going to. Cell phones. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing around. Just playing around. So choose, choose whom you will serve. All right. See, you, you have a choice. Now, now, get this. The things that are most precious in our life that mean the most to us have the most likelihood of becoming an idol to us. Because they're of value. They're of worth, right? But here's the problem. There is no competition for Jesus. There's no competition. Look at Luke chapter 14. I'm just going to read this quickly. And then we're going to actually hear from Dylan Williams, who is over Celebrate Recovery, which is specifically designed ministry that we do here at VFC to help us with illegal substitutions. Luke 14, 25 and 26 is Jesus talking. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said, now you would think Jesus would be like, y'all are wonderful. I love you. Just keep following me. And he, he was always saying crazy stuff to make people lead to test their hearts. <laughs> so he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate your father, your mother, your wife, and your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And then he turns around and he keeps walking. <laughs> That's not a very good church growth strategy, by the way. <laughs> hey, all you people, this is great. Yeah, yeah, you need to hate everyone to love me. Have you ever heard this verse before? Has it ever kind of messed with you a little bit? Ever been like, Jesus, come on, man. What in the world? Hate my parents? See, now, Scripture interprets Scripture. Let me just tell you, okay. So we know Jesus wasn't telling people to hate their parents. Because the Scripture clearly says from the very beginning to honor your father and your mother. So we can't take on the, the, the theological idea that God wants us to hate our parents because we know all throughout Scripture he doesn't want us to hate our parents. So that means, okay, I've got a tension here. That means I need to do some more study. Well, if you do some more study, and I encourage you to do this on your own, please. You are free. Anyone's free to ever check up on anything I say here, okay? You just go to a concordance, go to a whatever. I'll tell you where I study from, whatever. Like, seriously. There's, this is an interesting word. It's a Hebrew idiom, all right? In, in other words, it's, it's a way of saying something that doesn't literally mean what it means. It's kind of like saying it's raining cats and dogs, Right? It's not literally raining cats. If it's literally raining cats and dogs, like we are in serious trouble, go hide, start praying. All right? It's just a phrase 
that doesn't mean what it would literally look like it means if you read it that way. And it's the same way. And the New Living Translation actually does a good job of defining it. And the Amplified Version does a good job of defining it. But it actually means to love less by comparison. It doesn't mean to like hold hatred in your heart towards something. It says, I, I do love this, but compared to this, I love this so much, it almost looks like hate. Even though I do love this. Does that make sense? There's another part in Scripture where, it, where God says, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. And people see God will hate. No, he won't. He's, he's saying he chose the lineage of Jacob over Esau for the Jews. That's all that means. He goes, he did love Esau, but he loved Jacob more and he chose to go that route with the lineage. That's all it's saying. And because we, don't, we won't study the word, we don't know this kind of stuff, and we come up with all sorts of crazy theology. So, <laughs> so he's saying, look, you don't, he's not asking you to hate people. He's asking you to love him so much it looks like it. See, a family member can be an idol when they hold the key to your happiness. When they control how you act, whether it's positive or negative. The greater the gift, the more potential it has to be an idol. The more that you fear losing something, the more likely you are to worship it. And that can be a person, a place, a thing, whatever. Guys, please, we do not need illegal substitutions. Now, we've got a really cool program here at VFC called Celebrate Recovery. It was started uh, at Saddleback Church in California. And Dylan, if you'll come on up, I'm going to introduce Dylan. Uh, He's going to share with us really quickly about what CR is, and then I'm going to come back up and close us out. Y'all welcome Dylan. Give him a hand. Go God. Amen. All right. Well, to start out, I felt like it would be best to have some of the ones from who are involved in Celebrate Recovery go ahead and share their heart about it. So we've got a short video here, then I'll share after that. Celebrate Recovery is really a 12-step program, but Christ-centered. It's based on eight principles found in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. And there are 12 steps then that are attached to those eight, eight principles. Celebrate Recovery is where people can come to basically get the help for anything that they may be struggling with. I, I truly believe that CR is a, is a program uh, that's about healing ourselves and healing, learning to heal other people. I was coming to support my husband and his recovery and thinking I was going to get like an Al-Anon experience. However, after about a month, um, I found out I had a lot of deep issues of my own. Whenever I hear somebody say, well, I'm here to support my husband or I'm here to support my wife, I just kind of laugh, and it's like, okay, in two or three weeks, you'll be up there giving your testimony. My life has been so much easier. I don't get as angry, you know, and when I do get angry, I step back and I pray, and I get a sense of peace. The troubles, the pain, the stress, all the stuff I had, it was like erased. See, Celebrate Recovery is not just for anyone with drug addiction, alcohol problems, and I'm living proof of that. 
Everybody has hurts. Everybody has something that's deep-rooted that they can't forgive, something they can't get past. So there's always something you could be working on. You know, it's not just for addicts. You know, it's not just for liars. It's not just for people that have issues. You know, you could be there to be strength for somebody's weakness. They don't want people to say, oh my God, they're going to celebrate recovery. What's wrong with them? You know, I mean, that's wrong, man. Uh, it, it's not like that. CR is for anybody, for anything. It's open to anyone who has a hang-up, a hurt, or a habit. And there's no stigma attached to coming to the program. I was picked on and bullied ever since fifth grade. And so that produced a lot of hurts. I became real fearful, insecure. I turned inward. Through Celebrate Recovery, it helped me know that I needed my friends and a support system to help overcome that. My sense of family with our CR group um, started from day one. I do have a family here at CR, and I know that I can go to them if I need anything. They're there, you know, they're always there for me. I mean, they're a phone call away if I need them at night, if I need them nine o'clock in the morning, there's somebody I can call. Who can serve at Celebrate Recovery? Well, to be on the leadership team, you have to go through the 12 steps. But anybody who knows Jesus and has a heart to serve can plug in to service at Celebrate Recovery. We're always looking for people to help serve in different areas. That would be serving food. That would be helping with the worship team. I need Celebrate Recovery as much as those that I'm ministering to. See, I was the one who was the one that didn't think Celebrate Recovery start and help them. You know, I came in, I was just a sound man, you know? I was like, I'm just gonna go in, run sound, go home. Well, as you listen to the teachings and everything, it's like, maybe this applies to me. I came to Celebrate Recovery to fill a need. And in doing so, what I found was that in meeting a need, a need was met in my own life. So I go through the 12 steps, just burning sound, you know, what I'm here to do, and yet it's changing my life. If somebody's on the fence about whether they even have an interest in Celebrate Recovery, CR as we always do, I tell them, come with me. It's very addictive. It's addictive to come to CR. <laughs> I don't think there's a building big enough in Thomasville to hold all the people that need to be here on Tuesday night. I'll bring you for the first couple of nights. Why not? I'm coming anyway. Just come on down. It's something for everybody. God is here. Take him with you. You never know what's going to happen on any given night here at CR. Amen. Well, if you don't know, Celebrate Recovery is one of the many ministries here at VFC. And I was just thinking during worship, you know, we're so blessed here at this church to have so many opportunities to reach out to the community. Uh, I was I actually took Michael with me Friday night and we went to the outreach at the Serena Inn. It was just great interacting, playing some basketball. I actually like, hit six out of seven shots, I haven't played in 10 years, so that was great. But uh but we had a chance to actually uh, pray over the place and uh, just bless the people that were there. And so, uh, you know, Celebrate Recovery is not just a ministry to people in VFC, although there are many in VFC that come. But every Tuesday night, we're seeing people from the entire community that are, that are coming in 
generally between about 40 and uh, 80 individuals each Tuesday night. I've got some notes here because if I don't, I'll start preaching. And uh, so I'm going to try to stay focused on point because there's some things I really want to hit. So I want to ask, answer a couple questions this morning, uh, starting with the first one, which what is Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered, biblical accountability recovery program. It's based on eight principles found in the book of Matthew in the Beatitudes. With this, there's 12 corresponding steps. The weekly format is fellowship, worship, teaching, or testimony. Then we have open share groups. We have men's open share groups and women's open share groups. We have a one-year intensive discipleship program called the Step Study Program. Celebrate Recovery is focused on addressing the core issues that give rise to various hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our lives and learning to find long-term freedom through Christ. And that's really, in a nutshell, that's what it is. That's what we do. That's what the focus is, is every week. But I want to answer a couple other questions, starting with what is happening at Celebrate Recovery. Um, there are five things that I identify that are happening on a regular basis. Number one, people are being introduced to Jesus. This year, we've seen 108 people pray to receive Christ as their Savior at Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Amen. Now, you got to understand, we don't stand up here and beg people to come forward. In many cases, like this last Tuesday night, we had six people come forward, and in every case, they came forward saying, I want Jesus. We didn't say, you know, if you, you know, we're going to pray for this group over here, but they came to different ones in our group. I think one kind of sat next to Sean over here and said, I want Jesus. And then uh, my wife had spoken to one, and, and she wanted Jesus. I think Joe prayed for three, and then Pastor Ann prayed for one. Um, it's just exciting to see, you know, it's, it's a fertile ground where hearts are prepared and ready to have an encounter with Jesus. Number two, people are being equipped to walk in freedom through worship, testimony, and teaching. We alternate generally. One week we'll teach, another week we'll have a testimony. And we do that back and forth. There's 25 lessons, and so in a year we cover all 25 lessons. People are being discipled and trained through a step-study program. And again, that's a one-year Uh, intensive discipleship program. It's an hour a week, and I'll give a little more details on that in just a moment. Leaders are being developed through serving and leading open share groups. To me, this is is an exciting thing that's happened at Celebrate Recovery. You know, Celebrate Recovery is not intended to be a drain on the talents and the giftings of a church body. So our goal is not to spot every talented, gifted person and say, okay, you need to be a part of this ministry at the exclusion of others. No. In Celebrate Recovery, the program is focused on raising up leaders. So those who come in to serve get their gifts sharpened. Those who come to receive end up finding that they actually have giftings and callings, and they get raised up, and we, they get plugged into the church, whether it's VFC or another church. And so the goal of Celebrate Recovery is to bless the church. Uh, with people who can step up and serve and leave, lead. People who are not connected with a healthy church are getting connected with healthy churches in the area through relationship and understanding that there are safe and healthy churches they can be a part of. Right? And so every week we're sharing, we're saying, you know, here's a healthy church. We'd love to have you. You're not going to be judged. We'd love for you to come on Sunday. You know, if you're connected to a healthy church, we strongly encourage you to connect at a deeper level to build relationships. If you don't have a relationship with a healthy church, find one. And again, we welcome you here. Uh, the next question is, who, who should come to Celebrate Recovery? Who's it for? You know, there's a lot of 
misconceptions out there about recovery programs and, and who should come, who shouldn't come. Um, I would say there's three groups of people. Number one, those with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Uh, and actually, Jamie went over a great list there. Um, have a list here, drug addiction, alcohol, divorce recovery, sexual abuse, sexual addiction, codependency. You all know what codependency is, right? You've got someone in your life with some really unhealthy habits, and you feed that by being uh, an enabler. And so that, that's a great, uh, we're actually going to have an open share group specifically for that this year. Domestic violence, food addiction, gambling addiction, spending addiction, anger problems, and so on. The next group is those in relationship with someone that has a hurt habit or hang-up. Maybe there's someone in your life who is going through a, a season, and you're like, I just don't know how to deal with them. No, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. <laughs> I'm sure there's, there's a handful in here, right? It's, I, I just don't know how to deal with this person's problems. Well, uh, we're actually going to have a group for that. It's the, the codependency group. We're going to have a group for that where, where you'll get equipped to really understand how can I minister to the needs of this loved one in my life. And then number three, those who are looking for an opportunity to serve in an effective ministry. Uh, next question, what is needed at Celebrate Recovery? First and foremost, we need your prayers, that God will draw people, uh, that there will be wisdom and guidance for the leadership team, protection for those serving. I mean, this is a cutting-edge, on-the-edge type ministry, so there's warfare that goes on spiritually. So we need prayer of covering, that the blood of Jesus, which is strong enough to protect, would, 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 uh, would avail much there. And then for the Holy Spirit to break strongholds. Number two, there's a need for financial support um, on an ongoing basis, obviously beyond tithes uh, and offerings. But if, if the Lord puts on your heart and you're like, hey, you know, I'd like to support the ministry of Celebrate Recovery, that's something that you can actually designate on the offering envelopes. Number three, we need sponsors. We need those who are a little further down the road who can be sounding boards for those caught in a struggle. So we don't need people who are going to set someone straight. But we need people who can just say, hey, you know, I can pray with you. I, you got my phone number. If you're in a challenging situation, give me a call. We can pray through it, and we can walk through this together. I've been a little bit further down the road, and so maybe I've got some insight I can share. We need people to give testimonies. If you have a testimony of God's freedom in your life, people need to hear that. And we create a, an incredible opportunity. Again, it's every other Tuesday night we provide opportunity for testimony. So let me know about that, and we'll get you plugged in. We need worship leaders and musicians. Uh, in particular, we need vocalists and guitar players. And so if you have a budding talent, um, if you're looking for a place to plug into ministry in, in a worship sense, and you're not ready to jump up on the stage on Sunday mornings, or you're just looking for an, an additional opportunity, uh, we'd love to have you. And so um, you can see, uh, actually, you can see Will about that. He's kind of heading that up. And then finally, we're looking for those who are wanting to serve in an effective ministry. That'd be greeters, uh, welcome table, cafe, co-leading an open share group, being part of the prayer team. Um, starting in 2017, uh, Val Sims will be heading up our prayer team on Tuesday nights. And so from I believe it's from 5.30 to 5.45. We're going to have a time where people can come and just pray uh, for an incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, we haven't had the opportunity to do that because we've been limited with people resources. Um, but yet God has moved so powerfully. I'm just excited to see what happens when we get a team together for 15 minutes to go after it. Uh, and so finally, what is the plan moving forward? So right now we start at 6.15 with a dinner. 
And then we go to worship, then we go to large group, then we go to open share. And we try to cram all of that into about a two-hour and 15-minute window. And uh, it's just really cramped. And so starting in 2017, we're shaking it up a little bit. 5.30 to 6 is actually going to be a fellowship time. And so we'll have snacks and coffee and tea back in the cafe area. And that's just a time. Doors open at 5.30. People can kind of come in and just ease their way into getting ready for the meeting. At 6 o'clock from 6 to 7, we're going to have the large group here in the sanctuary. That's going to be worship, followed by either teaching or testimony, and then however the Holy Spirit leads that. From 7 to 8, we're going to have the open share group. So we're actually providing more time for open share. That's some of the feedback we've received is we feel like we're getting into open share groups, small groups, and they're ending before we can really have some good conversations. So from seven to eight, we're going to have that. And uh, some of the open, we're going to have seven open share groups. Number one, a newcomers group. So those who are here for the first time, who might be uncomfortable just walking into an open share group where everybody's kind of talking and sharing, We'll just come in here, and, and I'll actually be sharing with them, showing a video and sharing, hey, this is what Celebrate Recovery is about, um, you know, and here's what it looks like, and here's how you can get plugged in. We're going to have a men's chemical dependence and alcohol open share group, a women's chemical dependence and alcohol, a men's codependency and family and friends of those with addictive behaviors, a women's codependency group and family and friends of those with addictive behaviors. We're going to have a group uh, for men with sexual struggles, we have a women's abuse recovery group. And then, you know, right now, that's all that we have space for. <laughs> we're like, where do we pack seven groups? And so we think we have it figured out. Uh, we're believing someday as we're able to expand the church that, you know, we might have 10, 15, or 20 different groups. Amen. Amen. And so from 8 to 8.30 or 8.45, we're going to have a cafe and fellowship. And uh, the step study we're actually going to have on Tuesday nights from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Okay, and so that way we don't have to take up an extra night of the week. Who's the step study for? Those who are serious about going deeper in their, in their own recovery. And so this would be a, t- a time and an opportunity for them. We're going to have 12 slots open for the men, 12 slots open for the women. We have child care provided free of charge, nursery for ages 0 through 5. We're going to be starting a children's pre-covery for first or fifth grade called the Celebration Place. This is dealing with life issues before you deal with life issues. Amen? And eventually, as the Lord provides the resources, we may have, end up having, not this next year, but we may end up having a program called The Landing, which is a pre-covery program geared towards junior high and high school students. Real quick, if you've ever served in Celebrate Recovery over the past four years here at VFC, whether it's giving a testimony, whether it's leading in worship, whether it's preparing a meal, whether it's greeting, whatever it is, I just want you to stand up real quick just so everybody can see if you've ever served in any capacity at Celebrate Recovery. Amen. I just want to thank you all for your prayers and for your support and uh, just ask you, we covet your prayers for this ministry. It's an effective ministry that's geared towards the community. We have a vision to see multiple Celebrate Recoveries throughout this community. So people have an outlet more than just one night a week. Bless you guys. Thanks. The key to successful ministry is finding out what God's doing and go do that. God's getting people saved, healed, filled with the Spirit, and their lives turned around to celebrate recovery. If you want to see God move, get involved. Amen?
Here's my final question to you this morning is, are you committing illegal substitution? Are you committing illegal substitution in your life? Let's stand for prayer.